Welcome to Hunting Land. If you'd like to stay up to date on hunting tactics, land management, land values, and land market dynamics, this is the podcast for you. This week's show is brought to you by Alabama Ag Credit. Buying rural property isn't the same as buying in town. If you're in the market to purchase your own piece of paradise or need an operating line for your farm, give our friends at Alabama Ag Credit a call. As the local experts in rural real estate financing, they can help you with everything from homes and land to tractors and crops. Because sometimes natural resources need financial resources, and while some lenders don't get it, they do. Learn more by visiting alabamaagcredit.com. I'm Joe Baya, joined here with my buddy Clint Flowers again today. Today, Clint, we're going to be talking about a lot of the macro and micro economic factors that are going on, as well as a lot of political factors and, and just some psychology into why buyers and sellers are doing what they're doing in the land market right now and if it's a good time to sell a property right now. Let's try to step away from the, uh, you know, the academic macroeconomic factors and, and things like that. But as a land broker and a guy who's done this for 15 years, what are you feeling right now with regards to demand from buyers? Actually, 17 years, but I appreciate you carving a little, little, a few gray hairs off of me. <laughs> really, right now, what I'm seeing is it's both the buyer's and a seller's market, which doesn't always make sense, but a lot of it's driven by, you know, these historically low interest rates that we're seeing. You know, some people are making moves based on what they expect to happen, uh, not what actually is happening. So there's, you know, some of that sense of urgency is being captured by both sellers and buyers. It's just motivating people to move a little faster and more aggressively. Uh, and it's really worked out for both sides of the fence. Yeah, no doubt. Well, before we get into all these factors, and, and I'm looking forward to, today, to today's show talking about that, one of the things that affects demand, affects interest in land, especially here in Alabama and Florida, is the timber market. And before we get into the answering the question of should I sell my property right now, we were going to check back in for this week's current timber market update. Joe, let's check back in with Jonathan Smith, the executive director of Timber Mart South. Jonathan, welcome back to Hunting Land. Hey, Clint. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. So, Jonathan, starting with Arkansas, how are we looking these days? Well, things are looking about the same quarter over quarter. There's been a little bit of activity since we published the second quarter reports. Hurricane Laura came through and probably going to change some things. But uh, if you just look at uh, second quarter uh, 2020 pine products, our pine salt timber price was uh, 23.50 for the state average, 12.50 for pine chip and saw, and six dollars for pine pulpwood. That's a pretty flat trend, you say, Jonathan? I mean, that, that's not necessarily up or down? So that is pretty flat uh, for pine saw timber and pine pulpwood. That's pretty flat quarter over quarter. Uh, chipping saw is down about 12%, but nothing too drastic there. Now, in Arkansas, I imagine you got a lot going on uh, on the land over there. I mean, it's a lot more hardwood versus a lot of the other states in the southeast. A good amount of ag uh, as well. How, how do all those other land income sources affect the pine market? Well, that's a great question, yeah. Arkansas is definitely, they've got a lot of ag, a lot of hunting lease opportunities out there, uh, as well as, you know, you're touching into some of that oil and gas reserve over there. So um, you've got some alternative income sources. 
So what we, we tend to see in Arkansas especially is you've got just general supply and demand driving those markets uh, on the pine side of things. You've got uh, fairly healthy markets. You've got uh, a good industry presence, I'll call it, uh, with Timos and REITs owning some uh, land over in that area. Uh, so it's it's good to, for the markets there, but that, that also, for the smaller private landowner, it kind of stabilizes prices and makes them true supply and demand driven. So when it comes to hardwood, are things looking a little better? A little bit better on the hardwood side of things. Hardwood, again, both hardwood saw timber and hardwood footwood were both down about 5%, quarter over quarter. But uh, hardwood saw timber uh, was 35.85 last quarter and $8.23 for hardwood pulpwood. That's about a, a $12 premium for hardwood saw timber over pine saw timber. So it's uh, probably your strongest saw timber product uh, in the woods right now. And your your hardwood pulpwood is about a $2 premium. So right now, if you own hardwood timber, uh, in Arkansas, uh, you've got some opportunities there. You were talking about those TMOs and those REITs. How, how do those affect the hardwood market? Is it the same as pine? I mean, are they are they supplying a consistent amount of hardwood as well? They are. Uh, you know, I think they would probably uh, like to tell you that they're uh, predominantly pine, but you know, in their SMZs, which you can harvest within an SMZ, you just have to leave a certain amount of timber depending on the proximity to the water source. Uh, but you are able to do some harvesting in some of those areas. Uh, and also, we, we all know you're not really going to grow a monoculture of one species in nature unless you're going to throw a lot of money at that. So they all have some resource of hardwood out there. So this is a good opportunity with the hardwood prices being as strong as they are. They're offsetting some of the decline in the pine. Jonathan, you mentioned earlier Hurricane Laura, you know, that that hurricane moved up uh, into Arkansas. How will a hurricane affect those local timber markets? Yes, quite honestly, I was a little bit surprised that uh, Arkansas was seeing the impacts from Hurricane Laura but there was some damage that was uh, brought about by some tornadoes that spun off. What we generally see, and, and one thing we do, if there's an active market uh, that's continuing to operate form, we try not to include salvage uh, timber in our normal price reports. Uh, but sometimes, regardless, that salvage plays an impact, and generally there becomes... You know, markets are based on supply and demand. So when your your mills are getting plenty of wood based off of salvage, they're going to reduce the price if they have the opportunity to do that. So uh, that's the only thing that I could see going forward uh, from the storm. Is, uh, there may be some salvage even as far north as Arkansas. But the plus side of that is afterward, once that goes through, you've got an undersupply versus an oversupply. That would be very helpful. If we could get that to work all the way across the South, that would be great for landowners. Yeah. That's one thing, you know, we talk about weather logging ground a lot, Joe, and that's, that's basically the same thing that's coming into play there. It limits the supply. Right. 
Well, Jonathan, thanks for giving us a timber market update again this month. Uh, if folks want to get a subscription to Timber Mart South, tell us everywhere that you guys cover uh, so that folks, if they want to stay up to date on prices and, and news and market trends, uh, how they can do that. Yes. Please look for us on our, our website at timbermartsouth.com. That's probably the easiest way to get in touch with us. We cover from uh, eastern Texas to Virginia. We cover 11 states in the southeast. We divide our states up into two regions per state. So we cover those. We have 22 regions. And uh, we would look forward to the opportunity to help you uh, get good information so that you can make the best management decisions and uh, work with your local consultants. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up this week. This week's current timber market update has been brought to you by Black Belt Bounty is a great gift idea for hunters and anglers in your family. It celebrates the rich hunting, fishing, and outdoor traditions that are so deeply embedded in the lives of those who are fortunate to enjoy the outdoors in Alabama's Black Belt. Featuring award-winning writers, photography, and recipes from some of Alabama's nationally recognized chefs pick up your copy at alabamablackbeltadventures.org slash black belt bounty all right clint should i sell my property right now be honest have you ever answered no to that question i have if i've known something you know was coming that was going to improve their position you know but it's tough to have a, a truly clear crystal ball and what's going to happen in the future compared to the factors that we know are available to us today. Yeah, I was looking yeah. at a property down in uh, Taylor County, Florida, and down in that area, there's uh, a lot of talk of a big Suncoast toll expansion road that may come through Taylor County. And that was one of the things, you know, is it was possible that this property was going to be in the path of that expansion. And right now they haven't said, hey, they have not said it where those roads are going to be exactly. But that's one example. If someone, if you knew that your property was going to be in the path of some kind of development like that, you might want to wait a little while to sell it. But, but otherwise, what we know is what's going on today and how to sell properties for the highest possible market value in today's market. And right now things are really hot. You know, we talked about it a little bit in the beginning of the show, but would you say that demand for land just give me your feeling for the increase in demand for land. Would you say that it's twofold right now? Yeah. Uh, of course, everything in real estate is location specific, but yes, we've seen that in our, in our region. And I think we've seen it in the analytics too. If you're just looking at the number of searches that are being made, if you're looking at the number of people that are viewing the listings that we have, if you're looking at the number of people that are opening the emails that we send, it's through the roof. Let's talk about the psychological aspects of that, because I mean, for a, for a landowner who's considering this right now, I mean, I think we can cut right to the end and say unequivocally, yes, you should sell your property right now if you're, if you're planning to sell your property. On the psychological side, here's what I'm hearing. Folks are worried about one thing that they're worried about is the rioting that's in the civil unrest that is going on in urban areas. And I'm seeing a lot of people who've had this dream or this vision of one day owning land or want to start to get back to a more self-sustaining lifestyle. They want to get out of these urban areas and they're looking for 20 to 100 acres to purchase right now. Are you seeing the same 
types of folks entering the market? Yeah. And it's not always necessarily about, about that same topic, but it's um, a lot of people are worried what the stock market is going to do, you know, around election time or throughout the end of the year. So they're looking for safe Harbor, which is similar mindset of what you mentioned. You know, they may not be necessarily to go planning to go live on the land, but they want to move their funds or their investments to a safer place. That's going to be, you know, continue to grow regardless of what happens on the news or in these inner cities and things like that. And land fits that bill to a T. Yeah, they're trying to time that market over here, recognize those profits. And a lot of people saw that sharp decrease that we had back in March, uh, right around the coronavirus debut. Uh, and things have come back, you know, at a roar. And I, definitely a lot of folks looking to cash out over here, put that into something that's that's been stable. We didn't see a big sharp decrease in land values uh, <laughs> back in March you know, with regards to the psychology, we're seeing another grouping of folks coming into the land market. And that's people that are, have been locked down by the coronavirus. A lot of folks recreationally did a lot of things that they can't do now because of coronavirus and they're looking for alternatives. I'm seeing families that are just wanting to give their kids a place where they can roam a little bit you know, they want to be able to shoot a gun or catch a fish or ride a, an ATV or a horse. Or, you know, there's a lot of folks that are coming into the market right now and they're not necessarily looking at the properties purely as an investment. And so I think that that's another reason why demand for land has increased. Are you seeing anything else? I mean, we've talked about the, the psychology around civil unrest and, and the pandemic and potential of what could happen in the stock market. What other psychological factors are you seeing? You know, to that same accord, we've had a lot of people that they were already shopping for land before the pandemic. And then because of everything that's come from it, primarily these low interest rates is kind of pushing them off the fence to go on and buy something now because they can buy more now than they could prior at these rates. So we'll, we are seeing an increase in land value. It's not as recognizable on the face as let's say a, a stock value would be. But what we're seeing is even though we're in a depressed timber market right now, land values on a total price per acre are holding, which means the price for the bare land is actually higher uh, as far as the basis breakdown. And, you know, so you're selling your land for more, even though the timber value on it may be down technically in today's market. But the other thing we're seeing is people are just buying more acres than they planned on buying. So just as a quick example, if, if interest rates are down, let's say 25% compared to the historical norms or what they were prior to the pandemic, they're buying 25% more land. They're going to they're gonna keep that payment range about the same. Uh, so instead of paying more money for 100 acres, they're just going out there and buying 125 acres. That's easy, simple math, but that's what we're seeing, you know, from both large and small tracks. So, and, and that's, I think, important to just to break that down a little bit more we were talking about psychology. Now you're getting more into those macroeconomic factors and those interest rates being so low. I mean, historic, have they ever been lower than they are right now? In I've never seen it. And yeah. um, I mean, if you consider inflation, it's, it's basically free money. And the psychology of it is, is value driven. So I can get more bang for my buck. So I'm going to buy right now. Right. Uh, because I know this isn't going to last forever. And that's the truth. The question of how long it'll last, my guess is at least through the end of the year. But after that, a lot of it's going to be economy and election driven. You know, but right now, 
they're there and they're looking to spend money ASAP. Well, right now, every single factor that could point to driving, you know, a hot land market pretty much is, is there other than like timber prices, commodity prices. But we've learned as we've talked to like the folks at Acre Trader that commodity prices don't necessarily correlate to higher uh, farmland values. Something will change eventually. Maybe not all the factors will change, but something will change. We may get a different president. We may see a vaccine for coronavirus. We may start to see interest rates go back up. One or more of those factors will change and that will affect the market. But right now, everything is pointing to an increased demand for land. But what about the supply? So here's the flip side to that is, is supply down? Because now you've got more competition for the same properties. It's been pretty steady. We've not seen any kind of oversupply, but it has picked, I mean, supply has picked up. Yes, but it has not picked up enough to deter any of that competition. And even in our, you know, in our business, it would have to be local supply. So within a few minutes of the, let's say the subject property that the buyer was looking at, you know, he'd have to have multiple tracks within that same area he wants to be in for it to really have an effect. Mm-hmm. If it's just more land in the same county, more land in the same region, that doesn't necessarily have an effect on him at all. Right. Because uh, typically your buyers are, are pretty hyper-focused on, on certain locations or distances they want to be within from home. Yeah. I mean, I know in my area that I work the most is supplies down. I'm seeing that in places. There are certain places where, no, there's, there's a few properties that fit that bill in that area, but for the most part, supplies down. And, you know, I'm seeing a lot of folks looking for that, that property that, you know, I mean, I hate, I hate to sound doomsdayish or prepperish, but there, there are a lot of folks who are looking for that place that's a safe haven. So properties that have some improvements are versus just pure raw land seem to be, even if it's just something like utilities in a well. I mean, it doesn't have to have a nice cabin or anything, but if it's just got something where they could bring an RV and park it, that is definitely commanding more demand than just pure raw land. What do you think will happen? So you're talking about timber. Let's just, let's go back to that. Right now, timber market being where it is, the trees on your property are worth less than what they would be worth in a, in a better market. Land values are holding steady. And so like you mentioned earlier, that means the dirt is worth more than it was when timber prices were higher. So when our timber market improves, will the price of land go up? Will the dirt values hold and the price of land go up? Or will those dirt values, you know, return, will the price of land stay the same and, you know, and basically your dirt values go go back to where they were? On median and average prices, you know, it just depends. And interest rates will dictate a lot of that because the the price of the asset typically moves inversely with the cost of money. So as long as interest rates stay low, I think we'll continue to see these, this strong demand and strong prices paid regardless of what the timber market's doing or the ag market's doing. And it's primarily for the people that are dual investors, you know, that want a place to, you know, bug out on or recreate on or, or just relax on whatever their, their focus is, you know, that's a tangible return on investment for them over and beyond what's there from a timber or agricultural standpoint. So they've got a two-part investment there that they put a lot of value on. And that's, you know, we're seeing that every day right now because demand is super, super high. 
Well, Clint, we've, we've hit on, you know, some of the psychological factors that are leading to an increase in demand. The next thing we need to discuss is, is somewhat psychological and somewhat economic, depending on what happens. So that's the election. No one really knows what's going to happen. I mean, if you watch the news, uh, depending on which side of the news you're watching, you get two totally different stories. 2016 proved that anything can happen. So let's play the scenario. Trump wins. What's going to happen to the, the land market supply and demand? I think the, the trend we're on will continue. What will change is a lot of people will go, if they had liquidity sitting on the fence or have, have been holding cash, trying to decide what to do with it, will jump back into the market, stock market, because I think it's going to take off uh, with that news. The flip side of that is while they're making money, you know, when their passive income is up, our market tends to continue to improve because they may not be using that money to buy land, but as their wealth increases, they're still looking to buy land or buy more. So they'll utilize, you know, financing methods that allow them to keep their money at work in the market to go buy land. In short, what that means is we still maintain a large number of recreational buyers, which are typically who pay the most for land. That recreation could include a bug out place or, or hunting or, or again, just relaxation, but we still qualify those as recreational buyers. I agree with you. I think if we see a, a Trump victory, what you're going to see is more of the same with regards to the division and, and the things that are driving civil unrest, which will keep things the same uh, in that regard. I, I don't think that an election change or I don't think Trump winning or Biden winning has anything to do with what happens with coronavirus. Now, let's play out the Biden win. If Biden wins the election, how do you think that? Will change the land market. Well, what this really comes into with both is confidence, uh, our confidence of really the American people all together. But uh, so basically, I think if Trump wins, you know, that buyer confidence will continue and, and increase, and they're going to be confident in investing money both in land and in the stock market. If Biden wins, I think we'll see something similar to when Obama won which is a lot of concern about what's going to happen with capital gains treatments and 1031 exchanges, uh, tax shelter opportunities, all of those things. So a lot of people are going to, uh, that were being pretty aggressive on the investment front, uh, are going to pull their horns in and start looking for safe harbors or go into wait and see mode. And what that typically does to our market is the mindset of the buyers turns more investment minded more so than recreational minded. So they may still be hunters and they may still be outdoorsmen looking for a place to use and utilize for their families, but they become more analytical on what returns can I expect from this beyond just the enjoyment of my utility of the property. They want to, you know, know what the rents are going to be, know what the timber returns are going to be, things like that. And that's what we experienced then. So it's the market can still stay strong, but you've got to pivot your approach to it. Right. Different types of properties become more in demand or, and on our end, like we talked about last week, conveying the value in a property may switch from the recreational first mindset, investment mindset second, and just pivot those, the way where we're conveying value. And that doesn't necessarily, that's right. And that doesn't mean it has to be a different property. It could be just right uh, under, you know, you want to be dealing with somebody that understands those components and can say, well, look, you know, this is a great recreational property, but even if things go the way that we, that you don't want it to in the election or in the market, 
uh, you've also got this different component of value that becomes that floats up to become the cream of the crop aspect of this property as opposed to today it's hunting next quarter it may be timber the next quarter it may be ag identifying those those opportunities for people and, and so they understand the all of the value components of the property they're looking at or the property they're selling is important and if you don't know how to to clarify that for people you could leave a lot of people confused and scared and that's not what our job is you know you saying that clint kind of relates back to what we were talking about a minute ago with timber and most people make correlations that aren't necessarily the term i like to use is that's correlation without causation so what a lot of people see is not necessarily what's happening. So when you take something like timber and the timber market being down, you would think at that time, a lot of people think that, well, timber market's down. Why would I want to buy timber? That's exactly when you want to buy timber. <laughs> it's exactly. like when a stock market, when the stock price is down, if Apple stock goes down right now, the folks that bought in March are loving their decision. That's when you want to buy. So take me back through the analogy and you used it earlier. You know, we're talking about land value staying stable, even though we've got a depressed timber market. What does someone who's looking to buy timber right now need to do? Because that can be kind of confusing. If you've got a piece of property that was worth $2,000 an acre a year ago and the timber on it was worth $1,000 an acre and that same piece of property today, the timber on it's worth $900 an acre and and uh, the property's worth, you know, $2,000 an acre. Is that a good buying opportunity? Because when the timber market comes back, is that dirt value going to hold and just increase the price of the land? That's typically what we see. And I mean, and that as a seller, sometimes if you understand that, you're hesitant to come to market. But at the same time, we don't know any of this stuff. Gonna, definitely going to happen. So there's always a level of risk that you assume both as a seller and a buyer. And, you know, so right now, me personally, I'm doing both. There's got, I've got some tracks I'm trying to sell. And then at the same time, I'm looking for opportunities to buy. What's important is to be working with somebody that can identify those opportunities and those risks uh, for both sides. So if you're a seller and they, you've got some products that you're, say you're already in the market, you were in the market when the timber market was doing fine, doing well. And then we saw this drop because of, you know, these big meals like GP and places like that taking cautionary measures and shutting down during the pandemic, uh, which caused prices to fall, you know, you know, that's going to come back. You don't want to drop your price because of something that happened like that, because we can explain to buyers that, you know, that market's going to come back. We can show them the historical trends, but at the same time, we can also show the buyer the, the opportunity for that to continue to grow and continue to those prices and those returns continue to expand because of new competition coming uh, over the next year, things like that, you know, but it's just the, the short definition of this, I would say is, is really arbitrage. So if you can buy something now, you know, at $10 a ton in a market that's going to rebound at 15 to 20 pretty reliably, then there's opportunities for buyers and sellers there to find a happy medium uh, where both parties win. And, you know, being able to explain that and identify that for everybody is where we come in and why it's so important that you work with somebody that can see that, you know, see the forest for the trees and not just ride the emotional wagon of, Oh, the market's down or Oh, the market's up. We've got to be able to identify those opportunities between both the peaks and the valleys. Uh, and that's where 
both sellers and buyers find return. Well, Clint, when it comes to selling property, I think there's a lot of factors that, that play into if someone should sell their property. But one of the things that I get asked most commonly is when, when should I sell my property? And a lot of people think it is important to time when they put a property on the market. There's a big thought that the end of the year is a bad time to do it as we go into the holidays. And how do you see that playing out in your market as it pertains to land, especially like around hunting season? What do you think about putting a property on the market right now? I think it's a good time. I mean, there's obviously in the wintertime when the trees are defoliated and the hardwoods defoliated and food plots are green, you know, your, your media is always looks a little better then, but you can always update that for the season. But really, I think in our business, I've noticed if you just, you, you work hard enough, there's not really a, a good or bad time. It's just about keeping a steady supply out there and, and, and communication with the market, understand the, the value of, of, of what you're bringing to market. And timing wise, you know, there's anticipations that can come into play, which is, you know, certain things happen like a new mill coming in. Like we talked about earlier with that toll road expansion. You yeah. Know, I mean, like, things, like I've got things on the well, microeconomic level, things that are very localized can affect timing, right? Yeah. Like we've got a new mill opening up in our region that's driving a lot of uh, investors into the area that are going to pay more for the dirt because they're going to know that they're going to be within a very small hauling distance to this high concentration of mills. That's great for sellers to take advantage of right now because your investors are making decisions based on factors they don't necessarily have yet, which is primarily timber prices. So if they expect prices to go way up, they're going to pay more for the land right now. When that mill opens its doors, if those prices don't work out the way we all hope they will, what they're willing to spend on land will go down. Uh, so it's better to take advantage of that now as opposed to waiting and see because you, you know, it might not work out at all. And if you're a seller, uh, you could take advantage of that anticipation. Now you got more competition, you sell it faster. So time value of money, you've made more, you know, even though you might've sold it for the normal rate or slightly above that, you've sold your land for higher, even though timber prices are a little down you're now rid of all that risk, all that market risk, and you can move on to the next step in, in your investment cycle, whatever that may be, whether that's taking cash or putting it to a stock market or putting it to another track of land. You're, you're free to do with that what you want now instead of you know saying, well, that new mill's coming in. I'm going to sit and wait. Well, you may be sorely disappointed. You know, we've got another track in Baldwin County that's, you know, was supposedly going to be in the path of the big beach expansion route up between I-10 and I-65. And that's always been coming and it's always been around the corner. And I think we're 15 years into waiting on that now and it still hasn't happened. But you've got all these landowners who have been sitting there with this high price land waiting on this, this expansion that's, in my opinion, very unlikely to come and, and not going to come in the way they think it will as far as the route goes. So, you know, you don't want to be that seller either. So, you know, so it's important to work with somebody that knows how to explain and identify those opportunities and those risks to you. Because again, you don't want to be be riding the peaks and valleys for years and not being able to sell your property. And I think too, on the timing end, you know, what you said is important. Keeping a, a consistent presence out there throughout the year is important because you don't always know the motivations of every of every buyer. I mean, it could just be as simple as someone receiving a windfall inheritance. So uh, they've they're ten thirty one. I mean, when somebody's doing a ten thirty one, they've their window to buy is very short. So that creates an, an immediate demand for them to purchase something. 
but I do think here, you know, coming into the end of the year, people are, are going to be making moves due to taxes. Couple right. that, couple that with everything else that's going on. I mean, just consider the fact that, like we talked about earlier, just about every component of demand for the types of land that we sell is pointing in a positive direction. And now we got the end of the year tax considerations. Yeah. And we've, I mean, we've even got things that pop up fairly regularly on our radar, which was even lottery winners, um, you know, buyer, buyer types that you don't always think about that pop up. You've got conservation easement minded buyers, things like that, that are very time sensitive. So it's, you know, it's important to have it out there, but and we've talked about this a lot, but regardless of how great everything's going, it's still critical that you price accurately. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if you don't, you'll be one of those guys that's just sitting out there waiting on that offer that you thought was going to come regardless of, of uh, what you asked for it. And in reality, the real buyers, the most qualified buyers, they don't take pot shots at tracks. They just, if they're not accurately priced, they just move on to the next one that is. Yeah. I've seen the exact same thing as I've talked to landowners who, who've had their properties, uh, you know, priced a little bit above where the market was at the time. And they're out there thinking that I'm just going to wait for someone to make an offer and then I'll be willing to negotiate, but, but maybe they'll make me this offer where I am. And the reality is that the, just the interest, they don't even look at the property. You know, we, we're not even having a conversation with that person who you may have been able to get a deal done with at the value that the land really is and the value you would be happy taking. I, I, I don't quite understand that out of landowners. I guess it's just a, they don't need to sell it and they, are hoping for the best, uh, hoping for someone to come in and make their dream come true. But we just don't get to talk to that person. They just, they don't even inquire about the property. You see the same thing? Yeah. I think a lot of uh, sellers mentally just, they attach too much negotiation insulation to a price. And instead of having a conversation, you know, candid conversation about, you know, what they need or expect out of a track and then, you know, the responsibility of, of land brokers like us to tell them what it's, what it's worth and be honest with them if they want too much. Cause there's a lot of, you know, people in our business that'll just, that'll price it wherever seller tells them to. And, and, and I fully feel it's our responsibility and duty to tell a landowner, look, you know, I understand you want that much and I'd, I'd want to get that too. But in reality, you know, we're very, very, very unlikely to do that. And here's where you should be uh, and expect this amount of negotiating room and not, not let them overprice it because we're doing a disservice if we know better and let them do it. And that, I think that really is the only time uh, other than when you know there's a, a factor where it's going to directly affect a property, like you talked about a new mill opening or in the path of development. If you know that's going to happen, it's a sure thing where you shouldn't sell your property. The other, the other is if you can't get what you need to get and don't think that just because the market's hot and people are buying, that you're going to get a, a big, huge premium <laughs> over what your land's really worth. People are still going to pay and, and the data is out there for them to find that information. And you shouldn't list your property at that moment if you're planning on overpricing it because that puts that stigma on that property. Well, why has it been on the market so long? I mean, how many times do you get that question? How long y'all had it on the market? You know, well, it's been on the market for two and a half years. Uh, <laughs> and then if I'm the guy lifting, un, you know, looking under the hood at that point, I'm going, well, what's wrong with it? That's right. Well, folks, I hope that has answered the question of if Clinton, I think you should sell your property right now. Of course, like most things we talk about on here, it depends. But for the most part, 
the market is is blazing hot right now. If you're considering selling your property, if you've been considering selling your property and you're ready to, for whatever your motivations may be, you need to sit down and have a conversation with someone in your local market who can help you understand the true value of your property and how, you know, go back to what we talked about on the previous show, about how to get the best value for that property, but make sure you're talking to a land professional, uh, in your market. And absolutely right now, uh, hasn't ever been as, as good of a time right now. I would definitely consider it. Uh, if you're thinking about it, that's going to wrap it up this week, folks, as always, please be sure to subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast and take a minute and leave us a review. It really helps to show out if you're enjoying our content, uh, we want to hear from you. If you're not enjoying our content, we want to hear from you too. Tell us what you want to hear more of. Uh, we try to speak to the to the landowner and we try to speak to the guy who's who's considering buying land for the future uh, for whatever use you've got in mind for it. So we'd love to hear any, any ideas and uh, hear your questions. You can always send us questions uh, at pros at landhunting.com. And if you'd like us to email you this podcast, you can head over to greatdaysoutdoors.com slash land and join our weekly email list. Clint, stay safe out there this week, man. I'll, uh, I'll be talking to you next week. All right, buddy. See you then. This week's Hunt and Land podcast has been brought to you by Joe Baya and Clint Flowers, members of the top producing team at National Land Realty, the fastest growing and most innovative land brokerage in the nation. With hunting season right around the corner and interest rates at historic lows, now is a great time to buy or sell land. If you want to learn more, shoot us an email at pros at landhunting.com or call us at 855-NLR-LAND. And also, Wildlife Management Solutions. The experts at Wildlife Management Solutions can guide you on selecting the best forage for your soils and goals. So give them a call at 877-400-8089 or check out their website with more information and a full dealer list at productsforwildlifemanagement.com. And also, Alabama Ag Credit, as the local experts in rural real estate financing, they can help you with everything from homes and land to tractors and crops. Because sometimes natural resources need financial resources. And while some lenders don't get it, they do. Learn more by visiting alabamaagcredit.com. And also brought to you by Alabama Black Belt Adventures and their new coffee table book, Black Belt Bounty. A great gift for the outdoorsman in your life. Black Belt Bounty features award-winning writers, photography, and recipes from some of Alabama's nationally recognized celebrity chefs. Pick up your copy at alabamablackbeltadventures.org slash blackbeltbounty.